0: Well, we've um, uh, been in a series and a, a topic for a little while, and um, I um, just felt to uh, continue with it. It's, it's called being spiritual, and uh, that's an important thing for us. It requires more than just being saved to be spiritual, coming out of that place. I, I think of the message that Jess was bringing this morning in communion, and I was just thinking, my goodness, she's dealing all my scriptures, but... Um, you know, who can work that out? You know, only the Lord can. Isn't that right? You know, so you pinched half of my scriptures, I'm sure. So there we go. But, um, you know, we get salvation by receiving Jesus as Lord and Saviour. And at that point that we do, uh, we receive a gift from God called righteousness. Now, we've been talking about this. This is not something new uh, or you've certainly understood it. But in effect, when the God the Father looks at the church, uh, uh, his people, he sees us all through the lens of Jesus. He sees us all in that light, that new person that we've be- become in Christ Jesus. And uh, and you know, I-, I just want us to sort of look at a few scriptures, just reminding ourselves of what we already have in Christ Jesus. Not that we're going to get, but that we already have, and it's all good news. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter five and uh, verse seventeen uh, through to nineteen says a bit of a passage. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ. He is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespass to them, and has committed to us that word of reconciliation. So he's, he's given that word to the church. It's, it's, it's a good thing. You know, that, that word of reconciliation will work coming from us to others. That's the thing we need to get a hold of. He's given us that word. And if you want to see God move in amazing ways, share the word of reconciliation. You know, I was just thinking of you, John. You know, I know you uh, often tell people as you go around the place, John. So, John. Was, he's taking notes as I speak so <laughs> just think of you John you know you tell people a lot that God loves them you know but as I was just in this message I felt the Lord saying to you you're going to see a whole lot more when you tell them how he loves them you know you tell people I know in, the, in your work and that that God loves you God loves you God loves you but you need to tell them that he's not he's not holding their sin against them he's not holding it against them he wants them free of that you know that's the word of reconciliation. It's a message of God not holding anything against us. That's good news, isn't it? The word that the Lord you know, will work with is a word that we share with others about how we are reconciled to God. You want to see the power of God at work uh, you know, in your own life and in your own relationships? Tell people about that reconciliation. And share your faith with someone. Amen. I like what it goes on to say. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20, it says, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. There he is, he's talking about exactly that. He's pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. There's our gift given to us you say well I haven't been really good this week all right no Christmas presents for you you know I haven't been really good this week I've made a few mistakes well what are you going to do about it we're going to talk a little bit about what you do about it because we've all been there we've all had weeks like that where we don't feel that we've been as good as we should very quiet in this uh, Pentecostal church right now (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I always love that moment, actually, uh, to say that, you know, we're all, we all have the same issue. You know, we could, I could pick any single person in this chur- church right now and, and, and tell you exactly the, the sin that you struggle with. I could. It's true. Every single one of us in here. I know some of you heard me say this before. But, you know, the sin you struggle with the most is the one that you love the most. That's right. It's the one that you love the most. What's the one that you like the most? You know, I don't know about you, but if you're an athlete, what you do is you work on the areas that you're weak. Isn't that right? That's where you get your your workout program fitted, set. I'm going to work out in this area because I'm a bit weak there. You work on your weak areas and make them strengths. Overcome in that area. Anyway, I thought I'd just add a bit of an Olympics theme in there right, right at that point. But <laughs> We should know that our righteousness, that's our, our right standing with God, is because of what Jesus did when he paid the price for the sin of mankind. Not because of our sinless perfection, but because of his. Amen? Because of his. This is the gospel that we preach. And, you know, it's good news. That's why it's called the gospel. It's actually good news. And then we've seen last week that practicing righteousness, if you go back, you can get the podcasts off the church website and uh, listen to that. but last week we looked at practicing righteousness is just us living our lives out of the new born again spirit, putting off the old man and putting on the new man, being a spiritual person of the heart and and you remember the apostle Peter described. The hidden man of the heart, remember that part? The hidden man of the heart? You know, that um, uh, we should uh, choose to be that. A hidden man of the heart has attained to the purity through the new birth. The hidden man of the heart has obtained that purity already, it's already ours. You know, and Christians should go on in life pursuing the disciplines of maturity, but also recognizing that inner person, that hidden man of the heart's purity. Because God created it that way. He paid the price for it, for for that purity that that resides there. And, and, And I just always want to just address this, because for those that think that salvation is possible because of Jesus' work on the cross, plus something else, plus something that you bring, something that you add, salvation becomes a possible. I want you to know that, that when we come to God with the extra influence of good works, it doesn't, it doesn't stack up. The Bible says that our righteousness is as filthy rags, not his righteousness. His righteousness has made us white as snow. Amen? And let me just say that there is far too much scripture that refutes that thinking of it's, it's the work of Jesus on the cross plus something else, something that we add, something that we, you know, uh, tack on to that. The Bible says very clearly, we're saved by grace, through faith, that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. That's a great scripture in uh, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4 to 9. We should look at it. It says, uh, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. And it says, by grace you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. Some just need to hear that a bit. And that not of yourselves. And that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not of works. Why? we'll be boasting about how good we've been <laughs> we'll find things that you know so i've been really good this week you know only missed it once you know or last time you know but it's not about that it's not about you know uh, uh understanding um what it is that 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 uh we do, it's, it's us understanding what he's done and how absolutely complete it is, it's the complete work of the Lord Jesus Christ upon the cross Amen, the complete work you know um, look if it was up to us, none of us would make it, that's the bottom line, if it were up to us to add something to it, none of it anything that we would bring would, would, would not make it, we needed Jesus to die on the cross for us every single one of us You know, and this next passage is a a bit deep because it's being contrasted with how husbands should love their wives. And that's a good thing, men. Uh, But let's just consider how the church in this passage is likened to the bride that Jesus is coming back for. And uh, I like it, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25. It says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That's the process of ongoing sanctification. We're all under it if we're still going on for Jesus. We're all being sanctified and cleansed by the washing of the water of the word. Not having spot, sorry, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. He's talking about the church, the church in the world, not this church particularly, but we the church the body of Christ all over the world. And here's the question, how will the Lord ever come back for the church if he has to wait for the church to arrive at sinless perfection? Good question. Based on our own perfect behaviour, it says that he's going to come back for a church that's holy and without blemish, without spot or wrinkle. When's that happen? We already got it. He did that work in our spirit. You know, that's the gift of righteousness. He's already done it. And sure, there's the work of, you know, the ongoing work of practicing righteousness and, and doing those things. You know what that's for? It's because it's so other people can see what God's done in us. So they can see Jesus shining in our lives. And I'll get to that. Then goes on to says this, because this be, then becomes personal for all of us. It should be personal for all of us. In Psalm 24 and verse uh, uh, 3 to 4, it says this, Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Two things. Two things mentioned. And of course, how do we get a pure heart? It's important because it's what qualifies us for standing in the holy place. That powerful place that we can get to when we pray. When we find ourselves in the presence of the Lord, having you know that one-on-one communion with him. And we should seek that. How do we get a pure heart? And, and I'm so glad you asked. Because a pure heart comes through the new birth. Amen? It's the righteous condition of the born-again spirit. It's not something yet to be attained. It's something we already have, church. The body of Christ already has that. It's that hidden man of the heart. And in this next passage, Paul is pinpointing the man of the heart when he speaks about our new life in Christ Jesus and what it should be. Look what it says. It says in Colossians 3, verse 1-4, it says, Therefore, since you have been raised with Christ... Strive for the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. That's our life. That's our new life. It's hidden. It's hidden. Uh, with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Amen. We're already there. Amen. We already got it. It's that hidden, hidden man of the heart. Paul then tur- t- you know, turns to speaking about keeping our hands clean, which is, of course, practicing righteousness. Notice that. And, and, and it's not, you know, it never is righteousness given to us as a license for sin. Oh, I'm saved now. I can go and now just live it up. No, no, it's not on that basis. We're not to use our liberty, the Bible says, as a license to sin. In other words, just go go off and now do what we feel like. tell you, we've been purchased with a price, you know, the church. And we should live like those ones that have been um, set to service. Colossians chapter 3 and verse... uh, Five. I like these passages because it touches on, on so many things that need to be put away from the Christian's life. Put to death, it says, therefore, the components of your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is, adul- which is adultery. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience. Who are the sons of disobedience? All of those that haven't obeyed the gospel yet. There you go. They're the sons of disobedience. When you lived among them, you also used to walk in these ways. But now you must put aside all such things as these. Anger. Who gets angry every now and then? All right. Anger. Rage. Malice. Slander. And get this for all those who like the occasional um, expletive, a filthy language from your lips. Mm. Filthy language from your lips. It says, you know, put it to death. In other words, it never resurrects. I remember as a kid, um, just on that language bit, I remember my... um, my experience was we were a church family, but when I was about 10 years old, we stopped going to church. And it's amazing, the first thing that started to enter into our home and as a family was language. We called little, little swear words at first, just the occasional little Australian vernacular. Won't go into any words, but blood's in there somewhere and a few other little things that came in there. Um, toiletry. And, um, and I remember the day that I first heard my father use language and um, he was in reference to a dog that wasn't behaving himself and he called him a little so-and-so and And I was shocked, you know, because we hadn't had it in a house, hadn't been there, you know, language, um, expletives, it wasn't there and I was shocked, I was mortified. And of course, you know, you go along with what's happening in the family. You see your mum and dad do it occasionally. And the next thing you know, you're doing that as well and using bad language. And I remember um, one time being caught giving my brother a mouthful by my mum. And she, <laughs> she walked out into the, into the backyard and, and, and my brother had done something wrong. And he was up a tree, actually. And I said, you so-and-so, so-and-so, you know. And, I, and just at that moment, I heard the back door shut. And there's mum looking at me, you know, and I went, oh, you know, caught, you know, caught red-handed. And the, um, the funny thing was, was my mum couldn't say anything about it because I was using words that she'd started using as well. You know, we're no longer going to church anymore, no longer being, you know, being held to account for our behaviour and, you know, uh, looking to improve what we did. Um, it's so important that we, that we quickly adopt these behaviours that refrain from such things. It says put to death. I like that that terminology because something that's been put to death is terminated. Someone said bury your old man face down, six foot under. Because if he tries to dig himself out, he only digs himself deeper. That's the old man, the old man that's to be put to death. You know, and I haven't yet met a Christian who has... Um, come to Christ, and uh, you know, not experience the struggle of having to put some things aside, to put some things to death. There's a bit of pain in that as well, giving up some of the old ways. I've never yet met a Christian who f- found that an easy thing, and um, and so so important that we get a hold of it, you know, because it's actually a fight, isn't it? It's a fight with the flesh. And uh, it's gaining control of the natural man. And not just to put it into submission, uh, not just to keep it disciplined. uh, Paul talks about, you know, to the church here in Colossae, talks about putting it to death, cleaning up your language, not allowing those, those words to come out. I just pick on one. There's a whole range of other ones that you can go through the New Testament and find, which you can put down to works of the flesh that need to be submitted and then put to death. And you can do it. You start living out of that new man that we are in Christ. Start living out of that new place that is so deeply satisfying when we do. And also the Lord is so pleased when we do as well. And, um, you know, we're called to be ambassadors for Christ and assassins of our old nature. Say that again. We're called to be ambassadors for Christ and assassins of our old nature. Put it to death. Put it down. Striving for those things that are above where Jesus sits at the right hand of God really does speak of coming up onto the hill of the Lord, you know, into the into your holy place. And um, standing in the place, you know, in that place requires that we are free of that sense of sin and of guilt and of shame. You know, the reason many believers don't spend more time in the holy place, you know, that's the secret place, the place where we go to pray uh, is because of a... A a, a kind of a subconscious sense of not being worthy. But the minute we start getting into the word of God and we start seeing who he has made us in Christ, our worthiness springs back up again. And we should um, pursue uh, that sense. You know, the Bible tells us to come boldly into the throne room of grace, you know, when we come uh, to pray, when we find that secret place, when we find that that holy place, when we find ourselves on the hill of the Lord, we're to come boldly, the Bible says. And uh, in Hebrews 4, verse uh, uh, 14 through to 16, it says very clearly there, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession, saying the same thing, you know, saying the same thing. We started out talking about how we'll just get our lackeys out and hold that word against our situations. Let us hold our confession. That word is homologio in the Greek, and it means to say the same word as, to say what God is saying about the situation, not what the situation is trying to tell you, but what God is telling you about the situation through his word, through his promises. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathise with our weaknesses. But was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You know, we need to know that at any time that we're feeling unworthy, it's not a time to run from God, it's a time to run to God. It's a time to simply cleanse our hands. You know, to again appropriate that cleansing flow, that uh, the work of Jesus upon the cross made available. We call it repentance, you know, where we actually just repent. Now, repentance is, I'm going this way and I realise I can't go that way anymore and I turn around and I say, I'm not going that way anymore, I'm going this way. That's, that's what repentance looks like. And we're all called to a lifestyle of a Repentance. And when we need to change the direction, we have a passage of scripture that fits perfectly for what we should be saying to the Lord about it. We have a scripture in 1 John 1 1.8 and verse 9. Some of us have learned to memorize this verse and passage of scripture because it so fits. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. You know, repentance is when we recognize that we have sin. We're going in this direction, we, we haven't been doing the right thing, and we turn around and say, I don't want to go that way anymore, I want to go God's way. We say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Can't say that we're sinless perfection, you know, because we've got areas that need to be dealt with. But we know that the work of Jesus upon the cross has what? Made our hearts pure. You know. We've got that on the inside of us. You know ascending the hill of the Lord only a couple more minutes. I want to say this is that ascending the hill of the Lord, standing in his holy place is descriptive of the call of God to his presence. And each one of us are called to that personal relationship with him. And we can come, you know to him without distraction. Gain a view that's without interruption uh, up above the noise and things that might normally cloud your view that's the the idea of going up on the mountain going up on the hill of the Lord getting into your your secret place of prayer with the Lord getting into God's presence always comes with a divine perspective and we should remind ourselves the more we spend time there the more we see as he sees and remember, you know, if you talk about what we're doing as a, as a church, we believe that, you know, our purpose as a church is to raise up sons and daughters to God. Raise up those that see as he sees and, uh, and of course, uh, live as he desires. Time in God's presence should be our daily pursuit. You know, it should change us when we get up on that holy hill. It should be the, the uh, uh, change that we, you know, that we see things, how we see our lives, uh, how we uh, view and see the lives of those that are around us. Time in God's presence should be our daily pursuit, a time of refreshing, a time of strengthening and edification, or even a timely download of wisdom that lights our way. I can't recall who it was, but some famous preacher said, I have such a busy schedule for my day, I have to spend at least twice as much time in prayer. I don't know who said that, but someone said it. I think it might have been Charles Spurgeon. Time in God's presence should be that pursuit of ours that we give ourselves to all the time. You know, and it's edifying, it's encouraging. Where you start in your prayer time and you're down here, spiritually, when you finish your your prayer time, you'll be up here. It happens every time. And sometimes we're so slow to go back to that place of prayer. You know, we need to make it a daily discipline. And, you know, we may not come away like Moses when he came down the mount, you know, with a face that shines. But we come away reminded that his grace shines in us. Amen. It shines in us. And that's what we're all called to is to shine for Jesus and and let people see and understand and know the grace that he's given us through Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Why don't we pray this morning and uh, ask the Lord a blessing on the word as you go, or as you leave today. Uh, just a little reminder is, um, uh, for visitors and those that are new to the church. We are having morning tea this morning and, and uh, I could almost smell some of that lovely food coming out. What uh, I'm just saying is, is that please help yourself to staying with us and having morning tea with us. We'll put some tables and chairs out. Please don't rush off if you, unless you have to. But um, stop and have some fellowship with us. We really appreciate your time with us today. But let's pray and ask the Lord, just set this in our hearts today, that we be those people who we're called to be, you know, um, pure on the inside, you know, and, um, and, and of course, uh, are working on that sanctification on the outside. Father, we again thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what your work that you've done for us in Christ Jesus. We again thank you, Father, that, Lord, it is a complete work that you did for us at the cross of Jesus Christ. Lord, we can add nothing to it. And we today here, Lord God, thank you for the gift of righteousness. We thank you, Lord God, that that not only are uh, are we gifted with that right standing with you, Lord, but that it's for a purpose. Lord, it's so that we can come boldly into your throne room of grace. Lord, if we have uh, areas where we failed or we've missed it through the week, Lord, or or areas, Lord God, where we know we're letting you down. Father, we know that we can come and find mercy from you, Lord. Lord, that um, mercy triumphs over judgment. And, Lord, we thank you, Father. We thank you that we can also find grace to help in time of need. Lord, we all have those moments. So, Lord, we lift up our hearts to you now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Lord, that you would help us through the week. Help us, Father God, even as we uh, go from here home, Lord God, that we would be reminded, Lord, through the week about how good your gospel is, that it is indeed good news, Father, and that we should be the ones that, Lord, are out there sharing it with others bringing about reconciliation, Lord, between those that are out there, Father, and you. And Lord, we pray these things today in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.